You know, I think this ties in importantly to what we are seeing happening in the world right now. Let's first start with this gospel passage. Um, today's reading, this is Luke 17, 26 through 37. Along with 1 Thessalonians, there's a passage in there about Christ coming on the clouds, is the Protestant basis for the rapture. And um, basically all that is here is that two people will be in bed. One will be taken, one will be left. Two people will be at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. But the rapture is really, in one sense, not biblical. It's a misunderstanding of the biblical. This was John Nelson Darby in England, I think it was in the late 1820s, that really developed rapture theology which really, a lot of it came from a young schoolgirl in Scotland who had a vision of the end of the world. I mean, you got to be careful here. This is why we have a magisterium. We have a magisterium to guide us in the truth, not to take your free will. Comments abounded on our YouTube page that religion is nothing but a control mechanism to control us. No... It's to guide us, just like we hear the words of Jesus. You know, Scott Hahn says, actually interesting, it's the opposite. He said, this is not the rapture. The rapture is the opposite. He said, the person who is left is the righteous. <laughs> the one who's taken is the unrighteous. And he points to Noah. All right, what happened with Noah? The rapture says the good will be taken and the battle left behind. The battle will be left behind. Scott Hahn says, no, you got that opposite. Read the Bible. With Noah, the bad were taken. It was the good who were left behind. And so what we have to realize here is that in the gospel, this is a very interesting passage because our Lord is warning us so much that it's not even sinful things. It's eating, drinking, marriage. I mean, these are not sinful by any means. He's talking about being aloof, lukewarm, apathetic. It's what we just saw in many of the elections in the states passing these proposals. This is the danger of self-focus. We interviewed Daniel O'Connor last night on living divine mercy in the series of end times. And he pointed out Denzel Washington made a comment that he believes we're near the end because it says in the Bible that at the end of time, what is the key indicator is mankind will become lovers of self. And he pointed out what's the biggest thing going on right now, a selfie. What we voted in for abortion is a selfie. I'm only worried about myself. I'm not worried about the life that I brought into the world through the grace of God. So this is the danger of I'm okay, I'm not a bad person, I didn't kill anybody. Actually, abortion does kill somebody. And so we have to realize it's not just about sinning as, as bad as that is, but it's about being prepared and not getting caught off guard you know, um, actual sins now are not even seen as sins, seen as rights and freedoms. 
Interesting because it was said the greatest sense or the greatest sin of the 20th century. I forget which Pope said this was a Pius XII. The greatest sin is the loss of the sense of sin. I think that's important. You know, that's scary because it was Pius XII in 1951 that says mankind is more sinful now than at the time of the flood. You know, we're talking about pornography, drugs, wars, especially abortion. Um, Mary at Fatima, she said war is punishment for man's sins. Now, this is interesting. Because I heard Mother Teresa quoted and she said abortion will lead to nuclear war. And I remember when I read that, I'm like, where do you come up with that? I was just kind of finding my faith in my 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And I remember Mother Teresa making this startling comment to the United Nations that abortion will lead to nuclear war. And again, I remember reading that and thinking, okay, now you're really stretching it. But think about this. Nothing ever gets us, it seems to be, in an instantaneous change. It's always gradual. You know that famous frog in the pot, right? You throw a frog into boiling water, he'll just jump out, but put him into cool water and slowly turn up the heat. You know that old adage? But what I guess that she meant by that is abortion is a way to allow violence. It allows violence in an acceptable form. All of a sudden it becomes acceptable. It becomes part of the culture. Now it becomes a right. It becomes a freedom. And violence becomes more and more of a way to solve your problems. You have a problem pregnancy? Do away with it. And so it began to make sense to me, at least I think, that that's how she meant that it leads to nuclear war. Because we have this problem now violence is an acceptable solution. I have this problem. I don't want this pregnancy. So I'm going to choose this freedom, which is really a violence. And so all of a sudden, violence gets to be accepted more and more and then embraced and then looked to as the way to solve all your problems. And all of a sudden, boom, you end up in war. And pretty soon, the war becomes uh, elevated and you are now in nuclear war. I was so moved thinking about this. I'm going to do a talk on Mother Teresa in a couple weeks. I'm so moved by this. So let us heed her words. You know, Vermont, Michigan, California, Kentucky, Montana. These are all places that embraced in the voting. But... You know, I, I've always said the reason I think God has had mercy on our country was because at least we could say Roe v. Wade was not voted in by the people. Roe v. Wade was really forced upon us by the legislatures, legislators. 
And I always used to justify it by saying, thank the good Lord that we would never vote this in. That God has mercy on us because as a people, he knows we didn't choose it. It was forced upon us by legislation that is no longer the case. Now I am truly concerned. You know, but at the same time, I'm going to keep begging for God's mercy because you know what? I believe that a lot of this was from ignorance. Did you hear the wording of some of these proposals? Let's take, for instance, Vermont. You go to the voting booth, you don't really know. This is why it's so important to inform your conscience, okay? Again, I get crucified for being political, but, and I said before the election, at this point, I don't care anymore. Criticize me all you want. This just absolutely exemplifies the need to inform your conscience. Because I truly believe a lot of people fell for the wording. Listen to this. This is the wording in Vermont to allow abortion up to birth. That an individual's right to personal reproductive autonomy is central to the liberty and dignity of the human person. Are you kidding me? to determine one's own life course and should not be denied or infringed upon. Really? Unless justified by a compelling state interest achieved by the least restrictive means. If I don't have an informed conscience, I'm going to vote for that. How manipulative. Basically, you, you know what this did? You know what those words did? They opened the door to surrogacy, three-parent embryos, designer babies, minors accessing hormone blockers for transgender surgery without the parent's permission, knowledge, or consent. All in those words. Because we don't inform our conscience. Both supporters and opponents of that Article 22 have said that its adoption means that Vermont lawmakers will be unable to ever pass any limitations or regulations on abortion in the future now because it will be unconstitutional. Whoa. Michigan, my home state. Proposal three put into the Michigan Constitution, listen to this, to establish, quote, individual right to reproductive freedom, including the right to make and carry out all decisions about pregnancy. That's what the voters were presented with. If I was to read that and I didn't inform my conscience, I would vote yes. This is why we are doing everything we can, or at least we tried, to inform your conscience. Because the sad thing is, now in Michigan, girls can have mastectomies, a 10-year-old girl, without permission, if she thinks she's a boy. Boys can be castrated and will be without parental consent. So now Michigan has become what they are calling the template for the rest of the country, the model for the rest of the country. And you know what's really strange? It passed by 500,000 votes. 
Now it's constitutionalized. And now it'll be the standard. They called it the gold standard. Can you believe this? The gold standard for other states around the country to codify abortion and make it constitutional. 500,000 people have this power. There's something wrong there. 500,000, and I would bet you to guess most of them with uninformed consciences have the right to change something that can now not be changed. This is staggering, what is happening. California, listen to their wordage. With its passage Tuesday, the state's constitution will expressly guarantee a person's quote, this is the quote from what it says in the vote, fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and their fundamental right to choose or refuse contraceptives. Now, here's what's troubling about California. They didn't mince their words. They came right out and said, have an abortion. The others tried to, try to fluff it. You didn't hear the word mentioned abortion in Vermont or Michigan. It was freedom and reproductive rights. But California came right out and said, you have, you're going to have an abortion and it still passed which is, I think, even more troubling. And so the government there, the governor, has signed 15 abortion bills this year. 15. You're not worried about your economy out there. You're not worried about the dignity of human life or sanctity of marriage. You're signing 15 abortion bills and included $200 million in the state budget for abortion. Montana and Kentucky, usually traditional states, rejected proposals to limit abortions. So here's my concern. For the first time ever in the history of our nation, abortion is not forced upon us. We have chosen it. And I say we <laughs> with quotation marks. Because God bless all of you who stood up for the dignity of human life. God bless you. We thank you for being open to listening to God's church. Earlier, I talked about the need of a magisterium. The whole reason we have a magisterium is to inform your conscience. Now, I beg that God has mercy on us. Because we really forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they do. Now, the problem is our Lord, when he said that about the executioners, they didn't have an ex a magisterium back then guiding every step of the way for them. And I can kind of see our Lord <clears throat> focusing on they, they have no knowledge. They have no understanding what they do. They're completely oblivious. I don't know how far that excuse goes today. Because in today's day and age of advanced information, internet, news, you want the truth, you can find it. Well, at least we hope. But if you don't believe in the media outlets, Father, I can't watch the media outlets. They're not the truth. They're not the truth. Okay, fine. But you got the truth in the catechism. You got the truth in the teachings of the church and in scripture. 
there is really not a huge excuse to not inform our consciences. And that is what we Marian fathers have been trying to do. And so all we can do at this point is now beg for God's mercy. Beg and plead for God's mercy. Please join us for Saturdays, for Fridays, as we, at this point, do all we can do. But I have hope. I don't want to come across as just being down, but, but I have hope. Because where sin abounds, God's grace abounds even more. Daniel Connor, and I'll finish with this, said something fascinating in our talk about the end times. He said, you know, Therese of Lisieux says, I envy those who will live in the end times. I'm jealous, she said. And I'm like, why would that be? And he said, because although sin has run rampant, if you inform your conscience and choose to stay in a grace, state of grace, and to follow Christ, you will have more grace than ever before, ever, ever given to mankind. What a beautiful gift. So let us give thanks to God for allowing us to still worship him, be here together, but let us beg mercy on the time and need for this. Praise be to God that he has mercy on us. And let us continue to pray for our states. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.